I'm Charlene. In these 20-minute podcasts, I talk with memoir writers about their books, their lives, and their writing process. Sharing like this helps us all connect. As we listen, we learn about the world through the eyes of others. Their stories help us expand our views and empathize more deeply with each other. It's my pleasure now to invite you to listen in to this episode of Life Story on Soul Sciences. Welcome, listeners. I'm here today with Lara McHale Holland. And as many of you know and have listened, Lara McHale Holland has written a couple of memoirs, one called Reversible Skirt, about her childhood. She writes in an extraordinarily profound voice of the child and manages to do that without it sounding self-conscious, a very difficult art form for those who've struggled with it and attempted to do that. Uh, Laura does a brilliant job with that. And then she has a second memoir of growing up as a teenager called Resilient Ruins, in which she does not hold back on any of her own foibles as a teen character, but we also see clearly the challenges, remarkable challenges that were facing her. And we're glad to say that today Laura is established and happy and healthy in her family and in her home and still writing. Welcome to the program, Laura. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, having me return for another conversation with you. I so enjoy speaking with you. As I do with you, Laura. Laura, you have just begun to tell me about the latest book. Please carry forward. Yes, I have this very small book called Just In Case. It's 21 bite-sized stories. And it's it's just a, it's a side project. Well, it started out as a side project, a small book that was going to be an improvement on the book that I give away to people who sign up for my newsletter. I mean, I was looking through it. I hadn't thought about it for a couple of years. And I thought, oh, the cover's not all that appealing. And I started looking through the contents and thought I could make this better. So it was going to be this tiny little 12-story project. But then the more I, I love the cover that I have for it, and that inspired me. And then when I was thinking about it, I thought the balance of stories, I only had 12. A lot of them had already been published elsewhere. And I thought I really should uh, write some new stories for this book. So I did, and it grew into 21 stories. I think about eight of them were published before. That's my guess right now. So a lot of them are new. So it is, I do give the ebook away to um, people who sign up for my newsletter, but I also have made it available on Amazon as kind of an afterthought, like, oh, you know, there might be some people who want to buy a paperback or actually buy the ebook if they don't want to sign up for my newsletter. And I also started this fun thing called a street team, where if you sign up for the street team, you can get a paperback for free. And then, you know, in return, I ask for a review and to post yourself with the book cover on social media, which is kind of a fun thing to do. What a great idea and very fun oriented, very easy for people to do. Laura, I was just perusing through the first half of the book and I am so impressed by the quality of your writing as I found in the other two books Resilient Ruins and 
reversible skirt, you have such a power of detail in everything you write and the characters, one story after another after another, the characters literally breathe on the pages. Would you speak to how that process worked for you, how the writing went in that? Hmm. I think what comes to me first is I visualize somebody in a situation and I really do picture it clearly in my mind. I don't have it mapped out ahead of time who's going to say what, what's going to happen next. I don't have any of that. But I do have this situation that compels me. I think that's true in everything I write. Because I was just uh, uh, talking with somebody about writing plays because I write short plays too. And that's how it begins. Although I do, uh, usually with a play, I picture two or more people, maybe three for a short play, two or three. Uh, but I, I also picture them having strong desires too. you know, each one that, that might conflict. So that, you know, can take a play off in all kinds of good directions. With other writing, I don't necessarily picture what that person wants yet or anything that evolves as I just look at that picture and start writing. Yeah. And just uh, let it unfold. So the characters breathe their life onto the page as you recite as you write down what it is they're breathing to you is that sort of the process you're talking about I think that's a good assessment yes (laughs) the other thing that I noticed in this particular book was am I getting this right there seems to be a slight undertone of almost almost horror and I hesitate to say that because most of my listeners are memoir writers and people who are maybe not as interested in horror as a genre. But these fictional characters, it isn't really that the stories are about horror, but there seems to be an undercurrent of that in many of them. Would you say that's correct assessment? I think it's definitely there. I don't know in how many it's there, but certainly I'm going to look for one like before. Mm-hmm. I'll read you that one. Yes, please. Yeah. The scene glowed cozy. Fire in pot-bellied stove. Calico kittens romping on braided rug. Chocolate chip cookies cooling on plate. Hot cocoa in ruby red mugs. A mother reading the runaway bunny to three sleepy tots. I took it all in before turning off the power. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It's great for Halloween, but it's just a little spooky. It is. (laughs) Uh, But they're not all that way. No. Um, Yeah, but definitely some. I mean, there's this one drifting. It's really almost like a prose poem. It is indeed. I'm glad you chose that one. Are you going to read that one for us? Because I think it is so compelling the way you have captured the inner experience of the two characters as well as their outer appearance. Okay, I'll read this one. Drifting. She is a rainbow fading as she loads the laundry. He is an old Chevy idling on the couch. He sees a brilliant arch of color turning as she reaches for the tide. She turns toward him and sees a fast ride down a dirt road on a long ago sunburned evening. 
She shakes the detergent box and hears seashell and driftwood chimes. She pours the powder into the washer, closes the lid, turns the dial. The machine rumbles. The waterfall comes. What would you like for lunch? She asks. The coffee table is a creaking pier. The carpet, a beach of turquoise sand. I think I'd like... He closes his eyes and becomes a boat drifting in a leather sea. She sits in the rocker facing him. She rocks, she rocks, she rocks and becomes the wind. She becomes the wind blowing him to shore. He opens his eyes. What would you like for lunch? She asks. That is so beautiful. And I love how you read it so slowly and rhythmically, like we're sitting on that beach watching the waves come again and again. Such a masterful employment of time as you weave their past into the present moment, which is clearly not what we would call romantic. And you capture the romance between these two that is still palpable in the poem. Beautifully done. Do you write much poetry? Not much, but I do on occasion. And uh, years ago, I wrote songs. That was like a kind of a, a mission of passion, even though, oh, it was so difficult for me, the whole performance end and musical end of things. But um, when you're writing songs, you are writing poetically. You know, they're not poems, but they're, they're very close. They have so much in common. You learn so much about being able to say a little bit, I mean, a lot in just a few words. You know, you have to do that with a song, have to do it with a poem. Um, and it's really good if you take that to your prose, too. You Absolutely. Know? This is one of the key skills, I think, of any writer, yes? To be able yes. to compress yes. the writing, so to have the best impact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is quite a skill. Oh, and that's where flash, flash fiction, I think it's a really good exercise. Um, and it teaches you to say more with fewer words if you set yourself a word limit. Because um, I did the uh, Ice Cream Bender's Song. My first book of flash fiction came out of a blog project where I wrote a story every week for a year. I went a little more than a year. Uh, and then I... I uh, called from those to put the book together, and it was just such a good discipline to do that. Um, I just, uh, I didn't actually set word counts for most of those, but now I, I do, uh, or not all the time, but just sometimes say, I'll do 100 words, or I'll do 50 words. I actually, one time at a book fair last year, I um, offered to write people a story if they signed up for my newsletter and they could pick the word count from 20 to 60 and they could pick three words that needed to be in the story. Now that was really fun. Um, I think there were about 10 people who signed up. So I wrote 10 stories ranging from like 20 words to 60 words, everything in between, uh, all kinds. Of, some of the stories were really good. Uh, some of them were only good. 
you know, I, I'm not always brilliant, you know. Yes, I, <laughs> I hear, but I know that you're brilliant enough of the time that it's well worth someone reading your work. Now, when you were doing that interesting project at a book fair, how did you find your inspiration to write to that person specifically? Uh, did it just come to you? Oh, I didn't actually write the stories at the fair. Oh. I wrote them afterwards. Oh. Uh, and I think I, since there were so few, I mean, there were only 10, I um, could remember what that person was like uh, somewhat. I mean, you don't learn that much about someone when you have a little interaction like that, but you learn a little bit. Yes. And then by the words that they chose, you know, because oh. they gave, they, they could give me words. A couple of them didn't give me any words, but everybody else did. And so th those words actually were, were, were what inspired me. Yeah. What a fascinating idea. And what do you think would happen if you offered to write them, say, a personal greeting for Christmas or for a special anniversary or a holiday, birthday? Do you think that would make it more attractive to people or less? Oh, I don't know. I think that's a different sort of thing, a different sort of exercise i think it's similar yes but um that could i think that could be really attractive to some folks yeah there yeah. seem to be a lot of people who find it difficult to muster words but i'm so glad that you don't have that problem <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been writing laura well i started writing songs when i was a teenager but then i stopped for quite a long time and then I started writing a journal and when I was 23, maybe, yeah, 23. And um, well, after I became a parent, I didn't do that as much. Um, but along the way, uh, while I was parenting, I was also doing freelance writing. And um, I, I work full time as an editor now for a, a business publication. But I got, I learned everything I know about editing, writing, and then moving up to an editing position at our neighborhood newspaper when I lived in San Francisco, the Noe Valley Voice. Sally Smith is still the editor and co-publisher there. Uh, it, was, it was such a fantastic experience. Sometimes when you step into something, you don't know how good it's going to end up being for you. It's just like, oh, I think I'll try this. I'm interested. And there's so much going on and probably still is going on in Noe Valley. You know, all these creative people in a, in a short geographical area, small area. Um, it was a fascinating and fun. And uh, now I'm making my living as a, an editor, you know, because of that. That is anyway, that wasn't yes. it's uh, it's not the same kind of writing that I do in my books. And um, but I think any kind of writing that you do helps you with every other kind of writing that you do. Um, I I tried to write a memoir off and on of my childhood for years. And um, some so some of that is persistence. It, it took me a while to actually commit to doing that. But also, I had been doing some uh, 
technical manuals uh, for uh, companies in Silicon Valley because I have a sister who lives there and she would farm work up my way sometimes. And um, I realized at one point after I got this long thing done, like if I can do this, I can certainly write a book because this is as long as a book and it's not anywhere. I mean, it is book length. It was book length and it, it's not anywhere near as interesting uh, to me. Uh, wow, I, I didn't, I had to um, just t- take the people's word for it. When it came to a technical manual, I couldn't check whether it was correct or not. I could only make it make sense, you know, grammatically and put it, shape it, put it in a good order. But in terms of knowing anything about it, uh, whether it was correct or not, I couldn't do that. I had to rely on them. Boy, that's a, that's walking off the pier right there. <laughs> that is. Well, Laura, thank you so much for spending these precious moments with us. I know you're so busy with your world. Will you come back and speak with us again? I will. And people can go to my web, website, uh, lauramichaleholland.com. Uh, and uh, sign up for my newsletter. You'll get a free ebook. And if you join my street team, I'll mail you a paperback. How's that? That is a fabulous author, a fabulous offer. And I have to say, listeners, jump on it. This is a one writer you do not want to miss. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you, Charlene. Bye for now. You bet. That's it. That's all for today. Many thanks to Kevin McLeod for that lovely music, Carefree. And many thanks to all of you who make these podcasts possible. Remember, take good care of each other. Bye for now.